Welcome to the Free Life Agents Podcast, where we help real estate agents build a lifestyle they never need a vacation from. Here's your host, Kobe Zen. Hey guys, welcome back to the Free Life Agents Podcast. Uh, Today, I'm super excited. Uh, We got a really special guest today. I mean, he's not just a really good friend of mine, but um, to me, at least, his resume is absolutely biblical. Um, This guy used to be a a fighter pilot for the Air Force. I mean, that alone is probably uh, one of the coolest things I've ever heard. And um, he's also a cancer survivor, which is awesome. And um, always great to hear those stories. And obviously, he's going to be talking about that a lot today in the podcast as well. And um, he's also a super successful real estate investor and a real estate agent. And just to list off, you know, last year, he did 50 million in production by himself alone. And you probably think he's been in the business for five, 10 years. But no, it's really only his third year in business. So um, welcome to the show, my good friend, business partner, Matt Rohr Gardner. Welcome to the show, Matt. Um, thanks, Kobe, man. Appreciate the intro. Um, yeah, man, happy to help. Happy to be here and uh, excited to chat about what everyone talked about. Yeah, no, no problem, Matt. Thank you for being here. You're a super busy guy and you're super successful. So you you taking the time out of your day to be here. You know, I really appreciate it. But um, just for those guys who, um, you know, who don't, who don't know who you are, who may not know who you are, you know, would you mind giving yourself, you know, just a brief introduction? I know I kind of listed off your resume, but just tell everybody kind of your story, how you got into real estate, what you were doing before, and, um, you know, what kind of led you to the success that you are experiencing right now? Okay. Um, yeah. So like you said, I was fighter pilot. I flew F-15s. It's me in the background there flying my F-15 over in Wales, actually. Uh, so I flew F-15s for about five years and I went and transitioned to F-35s for another about five years or so. I was in the Air Force about 11 years total. Um and loved it. It was fantastic. We traveled all over the world and, you know, did the standard military thing. It was fantastic. Uh, then about well, four years ago now, I, um, I was about to go out to uh, Top Gun training for the F-35, which is the new joint strike stealth fighter in the Air Force. You know, I was going to be the youngest guy going out there, which I was stoked, you know, literally on top of the world. And then all of a sudden I walk up the hotels when I was in Vegas, I was walking up the hotel room floor and, um, and I just got out of breath. I'm like, I was just, man, this is weird. Um, and whatever, I was there for the week, just felt kind of exhausted. And so when I came back, I talked to my doctor, told her I ran out of breath and just kind of been extra tired. And next thing you know, did a scan and I had 11, tum- 11 tumors in my chest. Um, uh, nine, sorry, nine tumors in my chest. And, and anyways, regardless, it was a surprise, right? Like out of the blue, it just hit you. Uh, and over the course of the next week or two, uh, proceeded to need to get some heart surgery. And then we started chemotherapy. And then, you know, uh, the, the classic, you know, became sick boy for a while, lost all my hair and um, but luckily uh, it was all, you know, knock on wood, I'm, I'm good to go now in remission. But the, um, uh, while I was down, there was a good chance that the air force wasn't going to let me fly again. Cause the, the, the tumors had kind of impacted my lungs and caused some permanent lung damage. Um, and so one of my buddies introduced me to real estate basically. So that's when I basically transitioned from studying, you know, Russian, North Korean, uh, Chinese tactics that we would like practice and, and fight, you know, towards, uh, to transitioning to studying real estate tactics, you know, and I, I took my same work ethic and work mentality of, you know, crushing it every day, 12, 14, 16 hour days, whatever's required to, to get on top of the game uh, and educate myself while I was down. So while I was sitting there with my porter catheter in and doing chemotherapy, which is like book after book after book and podcast after podcast. And, and after I was done with that, I started networking and kind of growing the network and, and um, 
Uh, and that was the start of it, man. I just fell in love with you. Just like when you find something passionate, I got, I got bit by the real estate bug. I got bit hard and um, I really, really loved it. Uh, so from there, I transitioned. Uh, eventually, after a year and a half at the Air Force waiting, they eventually gave me the boot. I retired in April of 2020. Um, so my first full year of real estate was last year. Um, but in uh, start, so I started about a year and a half in while I was still in the military. Uh, started growing my team there. I just found like I had a good knack for sales and a good knack for investing. I'm a numbers guy for sure. My, my background's engineering, got a master's in engineering management. Um, and it, uh, it just really clicked, you know, both, both sides of it. And it's nice because as an, as an investor agent, it's very symbiotic, you know, like I, I, doing one really helps the other and vice versa. Uh, so um, yeah, started growing my team to where we are now. We have uh, 25 agents on my local production team. Um, and then within our brokerage, you know, I have, I think I have 110 agents or so on my overall downline now. And um, as far as investing side, we have about 600 doors now. Uh, and it's, uh, it's awesome. So we went from short term rentals, which I absolutely love, owned a couple of mobile home parks, I still own an RV our mobile home park that we're transitioning to be an RV park, um, and some apartment complexes in Mobile and Montgomery. And um, it's awesome, man. It's been a fun ride. Yeah, I can tell. Like I said, I mean, this guy's this guy's resume absolutely biblical. He hasn't even been in the business for that long. So, yeah. I mean, that's that's awesome, Matt. Um, just kind of going back into getting into real estate in the first place. I mean, obviously, you were kind of introduced to it, like you said, by by a friend of yours. You know, with a couple of, of books and introduction. But I mean, there's a couple of different things out there. We see, you know, people kind of transitioning from careers, um, either you know. Out of, out of difficult situations, almost similar, similarly to what you had to experience. But, you know, there's there's always, you know, these different options out there, but you chose real estate. And um, is there anything specific that kind of went into why you chose real estate? Or is it just because kind of happened at the right time at the right place, somebody introduced you to it? Uh, there's definitely there's definitely a case of uh, right place, right time for sure. Um, but I was introduced to a lot of other things. So as I was getting out of the military, I had multiple you know, I had top secret, fully classified security clearances, and obviously a very unique and specific skill set in the military, right? Um, and so I had a lot of people reach out to me for jobs. Um, and as as they reached out, they're like, hey, man, I'll offer you, you can start next Monday, 180 grand, go. I'm like, wow, it's really enticing. You know, it's almost double my salary what I'm in now, because I was an officer in the military, I was doing pretty well already. But um, I just didn't, I didn't see myself doing it for 20 years, just sitting at a desk, because I'm a, I was a pilot, right? I, I want to go out. I want to be out. I want to fly. I want to be active. There's a lot of time in the vault, a lot of time studying, a lot of time debriefing uh, for sure. Um, but I didn't, I didn't like the thought of being at my desk you know, every day. And I, I needed something more active. Uh, and I just through really uh, through reading with real estate, I just found like a, a passion, like in, in, internally, like I wanted to follow my gut. So I told, I told my family, I was like, we're just going to try it one year. If I fall on my face, we can fall back up. My security clearance will still be valid. And we can just, I can do the nine to five in, in uh, J-O-B type of thing. Um, but really what the, the big kicker for me was, um, in the military, I, 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 I worked very, very hard. Right. And so, like I said, 14, 16 hour days were not uncommon. Um, but then I looked at other people who were the same rank getting paid the same amount and they, they'd work their six to eight hour days, you know? And so I, I, I was a little bit jaded near the end. I'll be honest, you know, the whole salary mindset of some people really just love their job and they have passion for it and they would, they'd crush it. And other people just, you know, get it, get out as quickly as can, but the pay is the same, you know, in the military, everyone, you know, you can tell based on your rank and time and service, how, how much you're getting paid. Um, 
So I was excited to take the jump to go from a complete salary-based pay to a complete performance-based pay. Um, so I was like, all right, we'll see, we'll see how I perform. You know, like I, I, it was, it was, a, it was a risk. It was scary for sure. I've, I have a wife, I have four, four beautiful kids, you know? So like, it's not like it just, I'm going to fall on my face by myself. I needed to make sure that uh, I jumped and we were going to be able to land on both feet, but uh, it was a risk we want to try. And uh, so luckily we landed on our feet so far, you know, not going to continue. It's a good trend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, you're like, like you said, you know, performance-based um, performance-based uh, industry, you know, somebody like yourself who's a high performer, you know, obviously are going to get rewarded. So I think a lot of people kind of gravitate towards that and um, kind of touch on that for a little bit, you know, how, how, you know, obviously you have, you know, like you said, you had the work ethic, you know, for being in the military of 14, 16 hour days, but jumping in a real estate industry, obviously learning a bunch of new things. Was that just kind of like a, I wouldn't say like an easy transition for you, but for people looking, you know, from the outside looking in, it really does seem like a, almost like a seamless transition for you to have the success that you had in, in one industry and transition into another one. Yeah, I think a lot of it's work ethic, man. I, I think I really think it is. Um, you know, I've said this before. I equate it to like if if I were to start any other industry now, like let's say you and I wanted to go start a, I don't know, a bubblegum company, something random. You know, like what 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 we would have to do is we would need to really work a work a ton up front. Like you have to you have to put the time in up front in order to enjoy the time on the backside. It's investing time, right? So I invest my time, invest my money up front. So hopefully on the backside, I have more time and I have more money, more time freedom, at least like you get time back. Um, and so that was my mentality. I was like, I'm just going to jump in feet first and I'm going to like become the expert as quickly as I can. You know, whatever they say, you need 10,000 hours and whatever it is required to become an expert. Um, so you could do five hours a day for however long it takes, 10 years, or you can do 20 hours a day for, you need to cut that time in, in a quarter, you know? So um, that was my intent to try to just do everything I could and just completely immerse myself in it. You know, if you want to learn a foreign language, sure, you could study Babel half an hour a day and you'll eventually maybe learn it, right? But if you really want to learn a language, go to that country and immerse yourself in that culture. I'm sure, I'm sure you're going to learn language a lot quicker. Um, and so that was, that was really, I think, my, my key to my early success is just really jumping in and, and kind of having that whole Cortez mindset of burning the boat, you know? Uh, so yeah. that, that was my thought. Yeah, that's awesome that you said that um, a lot of new agents don't kind of don't kind of understand that where they have to they have to actually burn the boats, like you said, and, and give up, you know, whatever the backup plan is almost men mentally give up the backup plan, and just fully immerse themselves in this new industry, kind of like you did. Um, yeah, kind of kind of touching that uh, on that again. Um, is that is that something that you know, what you did and where you're fully immersing yourself into industry wise, but not as much in the kind of like the self development side, because I know a lot of people coming into entrepreneurship like to talk about and focus on self development, but I guess that's something that you kind of you kind of skip right or did you not skip that or did you kind of go back and, and actually did that as well. Uh, I think that was definitely part of it. Uh, like I said, it was there's just a lot of new new things when you jump in. I leave a career that is very regimented military lifestyle into where I had a boss who had a boss who had a boss who had a boss, very clear hierarchy of, of who I need to talk to and who I ever had to report to versus now it's like I wake up and it's on me. You know, I have people that, you know, broker to report to, but not really, right? And in, in our brokerage kind of set up, there's, there's not, there's, they don't really care, right? You can, you can produce, you can not produce effectively um, and they're, they're not going to be hounding you. So, uh, there was definitely a personal development phase that I, that I am always going through. And it's a mentality for sure. I think 
it's a, it's a basic concept of, do you have like a scarcity mindset or do you have a growth mindset? You know? Um, so for, for me, I, I definitely latch onto the growth mindset. I'm, I'm always trying to learn something, which, which goes down to personal development. Yeah. A lot of times I'll read a books on real estate. Other times I'll read books on, you know, the miracle morning or uh, seven, uh, whatever, seven, uh, where's my books, my books are over there, uh, whatever the seven habits, the uh, seven high performing habits or whatever high performing habits. I can't remember the name of it. Um, but yeah, I'm always reading whatever I can to try to, to try to, you know, in, enlarge my, my capability. The other thing, the other thing that's nice is the more you read uh, from the personal personal development side, or just from the interest level, you know, like Elon Musk. I'm a massive fan of Elon Musk, so I'm you know read his biography or Steve Jobs or or um, Shoe Dog by Phil Knight, you know, or um, just finished one by Bob Iger, the CEO, the previous CEO of Disney, you know. And so um, the Ride of Lifetime is a great book as well. Um, I think the more you read, the more you can relate to people then too, which helps you in business. And so, yeah, it's not just learning, hey, here's the sales tactics. Here's how do you do what, what you need to do. It's more like become a well-rounded person so you can relate to more people, which helps your business even more. Uh, so every anytime I'm reading a book, I try to relate it to my conversations um, that, that I'm having at the time because there's almost always, you know, I know you're a big Disney fan. So, um, <laughs> and, you know, so if I were to say, hey, man, I just read Bob Iger's book. It's really cool. I just read about how, you know, the Star Wars, Star Wars acquisition and how that went down with George Lucas. And you're like, oh, dude, yeah, it was cool. You might know something about it. You kind of have a little bit of a, more of a connection versus just like, hey, I'm your real estate agent. Let's talk about the sale. You know, like it, it's it's trying to find people, connect with people on a personal level. And the way you do that is by being a well-rounded person and, and reading and getting yourself involved as much as you can. Wow. Yeah. That's something that's, that's really, <laughs> I'm glad you said that. And um, yeah, I'm going to need you to give me the title of that book for, uh, from Bob Iger, because I definitely yeah. need to read that one too. Yeah. It's right it's sitting on my desk, uh, my side table over there. It's um, yeah, it's, it's called the ride of a lifetime. Right of a lifetime. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm definitely going to read it. Hope the uh, audience listening here, who's a big Disney fan yeah. uh, should also read it as well. I mean, there's something that you can learn, learn from uh, any, any business out there. I yeah. think that's really interesting too, that, that, you know, um, you're kind of learning from, you know, not just people in the real estate industry, but people who are successful in life in other businesses, other industries, and kind of how, how have you kind of applied that in terms of, you know, as a, as a new agent where you might not be able to offer as much value. And that's, I think a lot of people were kind of wanted to hear that from you because you have so much success so early, you know, how do you provide that value um, as a real estate agent or as a real estate investor, you know, working directly with a seller? Yeah. Um, how, how do you, how can you provide that value as somebody who don't have the experience that, uh, other experienced agents or investors might have? Yeah, that's a tough nut to crack early on. Um, one is leverage. My, like one of the, my, one of my keys to growth in everything, every aspect of my life, whether it be sales or investing is definitely leverage, you know, early on my very first flip, I, I, you know, in the military, I, I had a very poor dad mentality, right? I was like, ah, I'm in the military, secure job. I'll, I'll be able to retire. I literally had $2,000 in my savings account and that was it. I was like, I didn't realize I was living paycheck to paycheck because I felt comfortable, right? Because my paychecks always came and I had no, no problem with it um, until I realized, oh, crap, if I don't get paid next month, if the Air Force kicks me out, like I literally barely, I don't have enough to last a month, you know? So like it, it was, it was a scary thought, man. Um, and so it, uh, when I jumped into real estate being inexperienced, you know, I, I, I needed to figure out how to add value. That's the whole, that's the whole point of real estate. If you don't focus on money, don't focus on transactions, just focus on adding value to people in whatever your niche is, you know, naturally I found that, um, or should I say, I found that I'm naturally inclined to the investing side. Uh, and I love, I love the numbers aspect of it. I love the, 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 you know, the creation of generational wealth and the whole concept of just investing in general. Uh, you know, whenever I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, that whole idea of 
creating wealth. It blew my mind. Like it's, it's, it's funny to look back at it now, but you know, the first time I read it, I was like, holy crap, you can buy a house, put a little bit of money in, and then it's worth more. Like I knew conceptually that was a thing, but I always, I always just envisioned there was only so much money in the world. And it, it just, it blew my mind, this whole concept of creating wealth. So um, my going back to answer your question now, adding value is the key. So, you know, if whatever circle you're trying to, you know, be focused within, whether it's you're in a gardening club or you like cars or you like um, whatever bubble gum, if there's a freaking bubble gum group, I don't know why I keep bringing a bubble gum, but you know, like whatever it happens to be, be the, be the guy that people want to talk to about it, you know, be that person. And that comes back to education. So going back to the very first thing we talked about is you need to crush it early and, and like educate yourself to the max extent. Uh, and that's, that's not just through traditional books. It's through networking. Networking is huge. You know, so early on, I would go to every real estate investing networking group that, it was, that was around because I wanted to be smart in that aspect. I wanted to be smart in that realm. And I wanted to know the local people who are the local players. Most of my clients are not local. Most of my clients are remote investors who are looking for short-term rentals along the, the Florida panhandle. That's mostly who I cater to. Um, and but regardless, I wanted to be smart in, in, the, in the area. And so then I started my own meetup because I wanted to have a little bit more control. And, you know, and when I run my own meetup, now I have a little bit more credibility because I'm the guy who leads the meetup. All that means is I started a, a thing on meetup.com, you know, like that's, that's it. Doesn't, doesn't give me any actual authority, but, um, and then from there, it just kind of grew. And so like that, that was my big key early on is educate myself. So whenever people are looking for help, I'm, I'm there to add authentic value. And it's something I, I authentically enjoy. If I didn't enjoy investing, I, I wouldn't, I shouldn't be crushing myself in it. Like, you know, just like, you know, I'll bring up the you know, cars. Like, yeah, sure. I like a good car, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be the guy to go to like these car shows. They, like, Oh, look, that's a, that's a, that's a Hemi. Sweet. You know, like, I, I don't know. Like I'm not a car guy, you know? Uh, so uh, that's not my niche and that's not something I could add value in, but I'm sure if I was a real estate investor or a real estate agent and I love cars, that's, you better believe that's where I'd be focusing my energy uh, because that's what I'm passionate about. So, Yeah. Something, something really for um, the listeners to think about right now, like what you said is, you know, how can you kind of combine almost your passions with, with real estate as well mm-hmm. and how to actually go out there and offer value in your circles. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, man, just touching, touching uh, back on something else you mentioned in that, in that answer that you're, you're giving me there, um, that realization that you had um, that you were living paycheck to paycheck and um, you kind of, you know, you can kind of go into your story, uh, you know, more in detail here, but you know, is that something that you kind of realized uh, after you, you know, you got cancer and you were dealing with that? Or is that something you realized after you jumped into real estate uh, where that realization came upon you where, oh, my God, I'm living paycheck to paycheck. You know, what am I doing here? Yeah. Uh, so I was diagnosed with cancer in like mid 2018. Um, and that's when, you know, life life views start to start to shift a little bit when you have a potential life-threatening situation like that. Um, and that's why I was like, Oh crap. So if I die tomorrow, how well my wife, how, how's my wife and my family going to be, you know, sure. they will get the, the, the insurance, which would be great. I'm happy we got that covered. But, uh, like if, if that didn't exist, how well would they do? And it was not very good. You know, they had $2,000 in my name. And so it was during that point where I was doing, I started real estate while I was still in the air force. So there's about an 18 month period where I was doing dual things. So I was a part-time agent for about 18 months. Um, and so I, I started, you know, getting really heavily involved in investing in the groups locally and real estate sales as much as I could, but I was an inexperienced agent. So I wasn't crushing it in sales that first year. Um, so 20, 20, I think December 1st of 2018 is when I got my license. And so 2019, my first full years of full-time, I was a part-time agent that entire 2019. Um, I still did pretty well. I did about 73,000 in, 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 in gross commission earned. 
Um, and so I was very happy with that. But it got to the point as a part-time agent, even like uh, I couldn't do them both. You know, I was still working at that time. I, I was pulling back my Air Force stuff. I was, you know, slightly less motivated because I expected, you know, the writing was on the wall there. Um, so I was working, you know, eight to 10 hour days rather than 14 to 16 hour days. Um, and then on the backside of it, uh, I would do real estate. I would just burn the candle on both ends, you know, but that, that can only last so long, right? Um, and so that's when I started, I had to leverage somebody. So uh, I, I, I got my first uh, full-time assistant at that point where, um, you know, my Air Force boss, he started getting, you know, started talking to me, started getting pretty pissed because I was doing real estate activities during my Air Force job occasionally. And it's a big no-no. I shouldn't have been doing it. And that's why it essentially forced me to leverage somebody else. And so I, I hired my first assistant. And then from there, I, could, I saw my, my business skyrocket even more because uh, I was like, wow. So like in the morning, I'd have my little huddle with my assistant. I'd go to work. She's working for me throughout the day. After I get off work, I would then huddle with her one more time. Hey, what did we accomplish? And then I would, I would knock out real estate then until, you know, midnight, one o'clock or whatever. And then we'd repeat the cycle. Um, and that was kind of the, the workflow for about a year, year and a half or so uh, with her, which was huge. Wow. Yeah. So like you said, you know, leverage, right? And that's mm -hmm. something that you use, not just in your kind of your personal finance and your investing business and why you decided to get into real estate and wealth building in the first place, but also how to run your business, right? Using leverage. And maybe that's kind of how you can, you know, let, you know, expand on why you have, you know, the success that you have in your, your local production team mm -hmm. with the 25 agents and how you began to kind of start that team as you kind of grew your, your income as a real estate agent. Because, you know, obviously, you know, you're working, like you said, eight to 10 hour days, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me, but you were working eight to 10 hour days and you were still doing, you know, in my opinion, that's pretty good production as a, as a brand new agent. Yeah, as well yeah I was super happy with it. I didn't quite cap. I almost capped, you know, with our brokerage yeah. model. I was, I was, I was quite almost there. And that was my goal that first year. Didn't quite hit it. Um, but uh, yeah, leveraging other people with, with a team. So the reason I started the team was I, again, through the, the investor networks, I met a, a local wholesaler um, who, you know, for those who don't know, wholesaler, you know, they do off-market deals, essentially, right? They're, they advertise, I'll buy your house cash. And they effectively flip the contract. They don't flip the house. They, they sell the contract to other people. They're professional advertisers for the most part. Um, but this wholesaler was a, was a prominent wholesaler in the area. And she, um, she had a call center with like, I think four or five call reps that were just calling all day long. And they had tons of mailers going out all the time. And they, uh, she had a list of 3000 names of people who had called in from the mailers and said, hey, I want to sell my house. What are you willing to offer me? Uh, and say it's a three hundred thousand dollar house, they might offer you know a hundred thousand or one hundred fifty thousand because they're they're wholesale they're investors. They need to get it at their steep discount. And these people are like, oh no, I'm, a, I'm you know the house is perfect. I just I just want to sell it for you know top dollar. And they'd be like, all right, sorry, we're not for you. And they had this list of people who are who called to say they wanted to sell their house, and they weren't. Well, she was an agent, but she wasn't focused on being an agent. She was focused on the investing side. And so those people just they had it on the list, and they weren't really doing anything to monetize them. And so I was like, holy crap. And so she told me all this. I was like can you share the list with me? Like, I'll give you, she's an agent. So I can give you 25% of, you know, a referral for everyone I close. And she's like, sure. Um, and so there I was, I had a list of 3000 names of like people motivated sellers. And I said, Oh man, I can't tackle this uh, alone. And so through my local investment group, I kind of threw it out to, the, to the, a couple of the agents that come out and I was like, Hey guys, would you consider being on my team? If I get, if I had a list of 3000 people who wanted to sell, you know, that's like, so that's kind of how it started. I had too many leads to handle. And then as the momentum grew and as the team grew and, um, I had, I had even more referrals and more business come in to where I, I just couldn't handle all the leads. And so that's why I started the, the team, the team's out of house and uh, leveraging the team helped even more. You know, it's, it's, it's not just on the production side, it's on the, sometimes it's on the time side. You know, maybe you have a team, a, a, an agent who's an hour and a half away in an area that I need to get a video 
and you know, I'm like, hey man, can you help me out get a video today? And I'll do the same thing for them. You know, if I'm in, I'm in an area, we we help each other out in more than just, hey, here's a lead, you go make me money. It's it's uh, uh, it's more of a support role and and trying to help help each other just do well in general. Wow, isn't that isn't that a problem? What you said right there, isn't that a problem where uh, every agent wants to have as a new agent <laughs> having too many leads to handle? Yeah, three thousand leads. Um, so kind of like, did you just meet this wholesaler like at a networking event? How did you, how did you meet them? Or were you like looking for? No, just, I, I met him. And again, I'm, I'm always trying to grow relationships and add value where I can. And um, she's just a very prominent wholesaler. And I just, I was like, Hey, what are you doing through retail leads? You know, and she's like, Oh, you know, we, we occasionally farm them out, but she's like, it's just, it's just too much work to follow up. Or yada, yada. So I was like, well, why don't you just connect me with to your system? So they were using Podio as their CRM uh, through Zapier. I was able to, um, to link it to our CRM of KV Core, and so literally the leads just started flowing in organically. So as they would come in, they'd hit it, they'd come to me, and then eventually um, it, it was too much for me. And that's when through KV Core you can automatically route them. And so a lead would come into their system, they would tag it as retail lead. Basically, it would flow through Zapier into KV Core. From there, it would hit our lead routing tool. I just, I got to the point where I got too busy with my personal leads. I had all of those leads just route directly to the agents. And so it hit there and I'll have a routing system that would route them directly to the, to the, to the agents. And it was great. Yeah. I mean, guys, if, you, if you're listening to this and you're a new agent, or even if you've been in the business for a couple of years and you're just struggling and um, you know, you want to have the same problem that Matt had when he first started <laughs> as an agent, having too many leads to actually handle, um, yeah. reach out to this guy or reach out to me and I'll help you connect to him, uh, connect you with this guy, you know, you know, and, and listen to the lessons that he's actually sharing in, in his podcast as well. Like go out there, you know, immerse yourself in the subject, make sure that you're actually confident and able to offer some kind of value to the marketplace. Mm-hmm. Actually go out there network, meet new people. And you never know, right. The opportunity that's, that's actually going to come up. Cause I mean, is that, I mean, is that something that kind of exploded your business from the beginning that, that list of 3000 leads or was that just a part of it? It was a part of it for sure. It was, it wasn't everything. I would say, Personally, most of my or my leads came just from organic networking and adding value, you know, through the various Facebook groups or, you know, Instagram connections or um, uh, bigger pockets or, you know, there's a th- there's a, so many different things. I, I was just trying to get involved as many things as I could that I that I authentically enjoyed. So I would want to be involved in them. Um, you know, my very first uh, client, you know, I met her at at one of these meetups, you know, her, her name's Sarah. She's absolutely stellar. I, I helped her find a house. And, you know, the first house as a new agent you're not going to be getting the million dollar houses, you know, like just, just accept that now. Like if you do, you're, you're the one off, right. It doesn't happen. Typically you're starting F off in the, in this, whatever, whatever range you are locally, you're going to be starting the, the bottom percentage of that, of that range um, in your, in your area. And so just accept that and accept it for what it is. It's, it's a learning experience, right? So get the experience early on <laughs> and maybe you grow your systems and tools to where like, that's where you crush it. Maybe you just crush it in the sub hundred thousand dollar market, but you do, 300 sales in a year. Like, good. Like, that's awesome. Grow your systems and, and crush it. Um, I, I really love the short-term rental space. And in the short-term rental space locally, uh, you can do very well in, in the luxury market. And so, yeah, I started, I started in the small duplex townhouse style kind of mentality of, you know, this typical people looking for burrs for under $100,000 and that's what they wanted. Um, but as you, as you grow and you gain value and you gain experience. Now, for me as an investor, one of my big keys to my personal growth was making my own investments successful. And so I could then talk from an experiential kind of perspective. So my very first flip, 
you know, I only had $250 I invested in my very first flip, you know, so um, I, I put a video on my YouTube channel, which I'm not super active. I know I need to be more active in YouTube because it's a massive value add. Um, I put a video on my YouTube about self-directed IRAs. And I said, hey, man, did you guys know you can use your uh, IRA for real estate? Like, this is cool. I didn't know about this. I just learned about this. It's nuts. And I had somebody reach out that I hadn't talked to in like eight or nine years. And he's like, hey, man, I got a couple hundred grand in my IRA. Let me know if you want to invest. I was like, sweet. And then through Bigger Pockets, another forum that I was just actively involved on, some, some, uh, an investor in Hawaii said, hey, man, I got like $50,000 that I, I want to invest. Uh, let me know. I like, the, I like the things you're posting. You seem like you know what you got, you got going on. Um, and so from there, I put $100 for, to start a business bank account. Uh, and I put $150 to start the LLC through, through the state of Florida. LLC was created. We had a business bank account. They wired the money in. I bought our first wholesale deal. We flipped it. They made 60% of their money or something like that in four months. They were super happy. Um, you know, I turned my $250 in like 15 grand in my first deal. And, you know, having an experience like that, then I can then like tell other people like, Hey, this is how you partner. This is how you can leverage money. This is how you can use hard money. This is how you can you know leverage this. And so that was my first flip. And then I had my first short-term rental. Then I bought my first mobile home park Then I bought my first apartment complex, you know? So like it's, I can then leverage, I can talk on multiple levels, uh, to various investors because I have that experience. Now, is that experience required? No. Um, but does it help? Yeah, it helps a ton to, to have the experience for sure. Wow. Yeah. So just, just getting yourself out there, right? Getting yourself out yep. there, learning, learning it first, and then actually applying it so that you can actually offer the value that you can by, you know, Hey, you know, I, I did this thing. If you didn't know this, you can also do this thing as well. It's not, it's not as hard as everybody kind of makes it, makes it seem yeah. it's just, you know, you know, common sense almost. And then you, you were just able to kind of figure out the common sense side of things. Yeah. Uh, pretty easily. <laughs> yeah, but, I, I think um, I think the big thing is perspective as well. Like you need to, I tell this to all my agents and ever everyone around. If like if you want to be successful, you need to stop focusing on money, stop focusing on transactions. You need to focus on relationships and adding value. Um, you know, my second flip, we lost thirty thirty thousand dollars on my second flip. But you better believe I had private investors with them with me in that one. The way we had it structured, they were they were essentially just um, secured money. They weren't they weren't equity partners. They were just a uh, you know interest. You better believe they made their interests, they made their money, and even at my loss, right? And those same investors, because they saw they saw what happened, and I treated them well. They're now investing in with me and, and my other syndications we have going on. Yeah, you know, hey, here's here's two hundred, three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars to invest because um, they know I'm going to do everything I can to protect their money. Um, and the same thing when it comes to transactions. You know, there's there's transactions out there where you know it's maybe not in your best financial interest to go through with it because you know the listing agents not offering you um, a, a large commission on your side as a buyer's rep, or, um, you know, maybe you have a, maybe you have a, an exclusive buyer brokerage agreement signed with a, with a client um, at a 3% or 4% or 2% or whatever you have them signed with. Um, and the listing agents only offering you 2% and you have a 3% agreement with them. You know, like maybe you say, ah, I'm not going to charge you that extra 1% at closing because again, I focus on the relationships over, over the uh, transaction. Obviously it's all broker approval and things like that, that you need to work through. But um, yeah, my, my big thing is always focusing on, on, on relationships as much as you can, man, versus the money. Because the, the moment you fo start focusing on money, it's pretty, it's pretty transparent. People see that uh, and they, they can sense it for sure. Yeah, people can definitely sense it, and you're not bringing the right energy to the table. I think yeah. you're not you're not bringing the right conviction in your in your voice. You're not bringing the right energy, the right conviction in, your, in the way that you're actually interacting with people. When you're mm -hmm. just out there, you know, you're trying to make a quick buck off of somebody, or um, off of uh, off of an investment, even. Yeah. Versus you're going out there and seeing, you know, how can I help you, and um, how can this be a win-win beneficial situation for for the both of us. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Yeah, man. I mean, you know, kind of going off onto the investment space. I mean, you mm-hmm. said you just, you know, kind of moved up from flipping to short-term rentals to mobile home parks. I mean, I guess we kind of skip a couple of steps here and then just go directly into this. How do you buy a mobile home park, Matt? Tell, tell us how you, how, how do you buy a mobile home park? Um, the two that I've bought so far have been seller financing. Um, so the first one was through networking. I, I, I really wanted to get in the commercial space. I was really excited about it. You know, listen to Brandon Turner talk about mobile home parks and on bigger pockets and, um, and just reading the various books like crushing it in commercial real estate and these other books that I'm reading. I'm like, okay, I like, I want to get in this space because it seems to be the most passive way to enter real estate. Short-term rentals. I love cash flow is great. Um, but I'm, I'm a massive proponent of self-management. And so it's not necessarily passive, but it's not, it's not overly burdensome at the same time, but I had some other money that I wanted to start growing. Uh, and so I was like, all right, I want to get in, I want to get in this space. And so, uh, through one of the classes I was taking, it was a six month mastermind course that I paid, I don't know, three grand for or something for this mastermind course and, um, money well spent for sure. Um, I met one, another investor who was another student in the course. He was also an inspector in the area and he was inspecting a mobile home. And the guy was like, Oh, I'm just so old to be dealing with this classic story. You know, it was just an older, older gentleman. And he was like, well, I'll buy it from you. He's like, how many you got? He's like, oh, I got 17 lots. I'm like, sweet. And so uh, he called me because we were in the class together and I added as much value as I could and hit to him personally, you know, during the class. Uh, he, he, he knew me, he liked me, he trusted me. Uh, and so from there, we, our partnership grew and he said, Hey man, do you want to buy this with me? I was like, yeah, whatever it takes. I don't care. Like how much, let me, let, let's run the numbers, you know? So we started running the numbers. He wasn't, the seller was not a savvy investor by any means um, and not a savvy manager either. Some of those places were complete dumps, but we wanted to turn them around. Uh, and so um yeah, we agreed on some seller financing terms. Uh, we split the money required to, to make it happen. And then, uh, yeah, that's how the first one happened. It was seller financing through networking, essentially. It, it was ne- never an on-market deal by any means. The second one we bought um, was on the MLS. So uh, it was on the MLS. They were asking uh, 2.8 million. And so this is a good good lesson that I tell my clients about of like, don't let list price scare you. Like people are going to, people list whatever they want to list. You know, like that's, that's, I can list my house right now for 4 million, but nobody's going to buy it, but I can list it for that much, you know? Uh, so don't let this, don't let sticker price scare you. And so we, um, uh, they were ask, asking 2.8 million. I was in the process of potentially selling my five bedroom short-term rental house that we were know we were going to make a nice chunk of money. Uh, and so I plan on doing a 1031 exchange out of the house. And so this was a good candidate to exchange that money basically for a tax-free kind of transfer. Um, and uh, yeah, we offered 1.8 million. We offered a million low on a 2.8 million dollar house, thinking like, nah, they're not going to take it, right? And I justify it too. Anytime I do a lowball offer, which I do often as an investor agent, um, I don't just be like, hey, 1.8 million, take it or leave it, sucker. You know, I, that's not my mentality. It's I, I call the agent and say, hey, we're offering 1.8 million. I'll send you the offer here shortly. I just want to talk you through why. And here's our thought process. Bam, 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 bam. Like I'm. I'm this, this, I feel like it's overvalued here. I'm more worried about this. This is the liability here. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of go through and I explain my thought process. So it's not just like a kick in the nuts and a take it or leave it kind of mentality, right? And so uh, I talked her through it. Who then you hope that the agent then conveys it to the seller. Uh, she effectively did, uh, and we ended up landing on a price of two million. And so I got an eight hundred thousand dollar discount off a of list price. Now, if I were to buy it at two point eight million, the numbers didn't look nearly as good. Um, but effectively, we bought it for two million with seller financing. And after we get it fixed up and running, um, we should be able to, you know, have a value of three to four million. So we should be able to add another million or two onto the value of the park, hopefully. So we're in that transition right now of um, increasing rents and, and redoing the roads and adding more, adding more lots. So, um, anyways, yeah, that's how you. That's how I bought my first two at least. 
No, no, that's fantastic. And uh, what you said about, I think for a lot of agents, and especially in this market, um, who kind of, who, if, if you missed what Matt just said, go back and listen to, to what he just said right now, because um, lowball offers, right? Offering, offering, you know, deals or transactions or, or making offers that are, are less than less and less price. You know, don't just give them a lowball offer, you know, actually find ways to justify it either through your numbers or through different things, uh, different value valuations that you actually, you know, put time into it. Don't just make it seem like you're trying to rip somebody off. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, even, even in the market, I don't want to say I'm always getting discounts. Obviously it's a hot market. That's definitely not the case. Um, but even you have to be able to justify what you're doing or figure out what the seller really wants, right? That's really it. You have that black swan, right? If you've, if you've read yeah. um, Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss, great book as well. Um, black, find the black swan if you can. If not, just figure out what the seller wants in general. Uh, you know, a lot of times we're winning deals right now over list price because we have to in, in this competitive market. Uh, but it's not always about price. You know, a lot of times it comes down to terms. You know, seller's worried you're going to back out. So you figure out how you can either remove or reduce contingencies to, to make it work out for your client or for yourself if you're, if you're looking to buy something. So, um, yeah, just, you know, trying to add value even to the seller, right? Like it's all about adding value as much as we can. Yep, exactly. Exactly. Just add that value. And that's been a, a really good theme of this, uh, this interview, I think, um, especially because, you know, somebody coming from the, the background that you do, a lot of people can get a lot of value out of this uh, as well, just from you. You're like right now, you're adding value to, to the audience. So um, yeah, no, no, no. And, uh, and I know we're, uh, we're running out of time here and Matt, you're a super busy guy. So um, I kind of want to end on this question because, you know, I just have to ask this, this is my passion. This is my main business. I have to do this. Yeah. So um Matt, what brokerage are you at and why are you at that brokerage? <laughs> um, so when I got my license, I, I interviewed 11 different brokerages locally, um, anywhere from Coldwell Banker, Century 21. Uh, we have some flat fee shops around here, like World, what's called World Impact. I think they're local or at least Florida related regional. Um, and a lot of them seem very similar. You know, so I, some of them have really great local training. Some had just really super friendly people. Uh, other ones had better cuts. You know, I was very interested in Keller Williams at first. Uh, I was I was about to pull the trigger on Keller Williams because I loved, as an investor mindset, I loved the concept of having the passive income that their profit sharing model offered on top of the capping model. You know, some of these other brokerages that don't have caps blew my mind. I was like, wait, so if I make a million dollars this year and I'm at a 70-30 split or an 80-20 split or 60-40 split, I'm going to pay you like 200, 300, or 400 grand they're like, yeah, but we provide so much value and we have this listing presentation and we have the brand, we're going to bring you people. I'm like, yeah, but that's a lot of money I'm going to have to give you, you know? And then you talk to someone at Keller Williams, like it's a, whatever their cap is, you know? And I was like, sweet. Until I went out to an event out in California where I met a guy named Chris Bounds, who's a stellar individual. Um, and I met Chris in California and he told me about the, the EXP model, which is where I am. And so um, as a brand new agent, I came to EXP. I, I did not have any prior experience, didn't know, the difference between, you know, a house and a condominium or a townhouse or how to a contract. I, I knew nothing about real estate, right? So um, I am definitely like the poster child of, of coming as a fresh agent into eXp and, and taking the tools and systems that eXp offered and helping me flourish from there. So the one thing that really helped me as a new agent with eXp was the, um, the mentor program. Uh, I had a local mentor that was absolutely stellar. Um, and as a new agent with an EXP, you, you typically are assigned a mentor for your first three transactions. Um, and that mentor is there to help you guide, guide you through, through them. Uh, I was a, still a full-time air force officer at the time. So it wasn't like I could train with her on a daily. She's like, Hey, you could be by my, by my hip for the next six to nine months. However long it takes you to get three transactions, or we can just do one phone call a week. She's like, whatever you want. 
And I said, okay, this is perfect. It's exactly what I needed. You know, I didn't, I didn't want a brand that required me to be in the office every Thursday at 9 p.m. for 9 a.m. for training. Uh, I didn't want to have to sit floor duty to answer the damn phone as, as like some glorified secretary. You know, that was not my, my goal. My goal was to, you know, add value and, and get sales. And so the EXP model of, of the lowest cap uh, around on top of great splits uh, with fantastic new agent training with equity options where I could grow stocks like passively uh, and on top of the revenue share side, which was huge for me. Uh, I know I'm not out there being a full-time recruiter. There are some people who, who do that and it's fantastic because I think it's good for the company to, to grow producing agents. Now, do I want every agent to be a full-time recruiter? No, not by any means. Um, but I do want attractive uh, agents who are able to attract producing agents into the company for sure. Um, and uh, yeah, so like that was it, man. So there's just so many aspects of EXP that really resonated with me. Um, I'm, you know, I'm a millennial through and through. I hate paperwork. So I love that. I loved the I love the tech side of it. I love the fact that we can be virtual for, for 90% of what we do with the company. Um, and uh, yeah, so it just really, really resonated. And I, I've loved it, man. It's been, it's been a wild ride and I'm not, not regretting it by any means. Plan on sticking with them for, uh, for the foreseeable future. I, I don't plan on, on uh, I've had a lot of people try to recruit me out of the company uh, for sure. Uh, you know, once you do 50 million in sales, uh, a lot of people will start to notice. Um, but their sales pitches just aren't very good. I'll be honest. <laughs> I come over and you know, there's a, a high-end German brokerage around here, like an international brokerage that came in and tried to invite and, and recruit me. And I sat down and said, okay, what do you got, guys? Tell me. If I come to you and I, I bring my 50 million in sales and I do the same thing here, what, is my, what does my bank account look like? What, what, what support do I have? Tell me. They're like, well, uh, we, have a, we have an 80-20 split. I was like, okay, what if I make a million this year, though? What's my, what's my cap? What's my split? Like, okay, maybe we'll give you a 90-10. I was like, okay. So even at that point, I'm giving you $100,000, right? And they're like, yeah, but we have the brand. I'm like, cool. What else do you have? And they're like, we have a really good listing presentation. I'm like, cool. What else? And they're like, that's it. <laughs> and so I told them the model that we have with eXp. And, you know, I was like, effectively, I paid my broker last year after making, you know, a little over seven figures in commission. I, I made, I paid my broker like seven grand, like 7,500 bucks, something like that. And they're like, there's no way that's possible. I'm like, yeah, it is possible. Here's so I kind of flipped around. Here's the EXP model, <laughs> you know. And so, uh, so it was good, you know. Whatever. Again, growing relationships, adding value where we can. And so, uh, anyway, the roundabout answer. I'm at I'm at EXP. I freaking love it, man. It's been it's been wonderful for me. Um, have some great people around me. I love the camaraderie. I love the teamwork. And uh, uh, I'm looking forward to the future. Yeah, no, I think it. I think it's awesome too. And I, I want to thank you for coming to EXP because if you weren't here, Matt. By, uh, by deductive theory, I wouldn't be here either. And I'm, I'm super grateful for the opportunity and, um, and uh, the chain of events that happened after after you joined uh, EXP as well. But just just a, a note for all the new agents uh, out there who, you know, who have these misconceptions, who don't understand kind of how this works. You know, they think EXP is for experienced agents only. They don't think they can actually have success here. Um, clearly, that is not true. Um, you know, as much as I hate to say it, as much as people don't want to hear it, if you're not having success as a new agent at EXP, it's not because of the brokerage. It's probably because of you. Um, you know, if you don't want to hear it, you don't want to hear it. Turn the podcast off. Don't ever listen to me again. Tell them to go read Extreme Ownership and they'll hopefully change their mindset there. Yeah, exactly. Listen, Extreme Ownership. But, um, you know, Matt did it as a brand new agent. <clears throat> he had the work ethic and uh, he was able to be successful and did 50 million last year in his first full-time uh, full year in real estate. So, um, no, nothing makes Matt different from you guys. Just a just a regular guy. Like I, I've met him before in person. Uh, we had a great time, and yeah, um, great looking time. forward to <laughs> yeah, looking forward to uh, having even better times in the future. But um, 
just to uh, for anybody who wants to reach out to you, you know, whether they're an investor looking to invest or a real estate agent looking to connect with you, learn from you, or anybody just wanting to see more of your information on either on social media, YouTube, or like you said, on bigger pockets, you know, what are some good ways to um, to best connect with you? Uh, sure. So I'm uh, our website's uh, teamroar.org uh, is as, as our team. Um, I think what else? Uh, if you want to email me, roar at teamroar.org. Super easy there. Uh, and then uh, Instagram is uh, at Destin Investing is my uh, Instagram handle. So uh, those are probably the three best ways to get a hold of me. Um, but yeah, happy to help wherever I can do to help you guys grow uh, or add value wherever we can. Like I said, that's that's my goal in life is to help uh, help other people as much as we can. Yeah. Thank you, Matt. Thank you for being here. I'll leave your information down in the show notes below so that people can reach you. Thank you so much again for, for being on this podcast. I know you're super busy, but um, super grateful to be your friend, your partner in business as well. And um, for those listening out there, um, if you want to reach out to Matt, he's always open to help. I know him personally. He's a great guy. And if you guys are watching this either on YouTube video form or listening to this on audio form, wherever you may be listening to this, Spotify, you know, Apple Podcasts, wherever, uh, give it a review, like, subscribe, turn your notifications on. We always have um, great, amazing guests like these, uh, like Matt here. So uh, coming on week after week and, um, you know, guys, you know, thank you, Matt, for being here again. And um, My pleasure. you guys listening, uh, thank you for listening to the show again. I hope you got a lot of value from it. And um, I will uh, see you guys on the, uh, on the next podcast. I will see you guys soon. See ya. <laughs> thank you for listening to the Free Life Agents Podcast. For more resources or to connect with us further, please visit our website, www.freelifeagents.com. We'll see you next time.